Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. G'day and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you two experts, one hour. It is Friday, the 16th of June. I'm Andrew Gagan, great to have you with us. Our experts on the show today, Jumbe Lu from Terrica Investment Partners and Adam Dawes from Shore Partners. Welcome to both of you. Yes. Thank you for having us. Now, yeah. when you look at what's going on at the moment in the equity markets, in the States going from strength to strength, we're at 14-month highs for the NASDAQ, the S&P, led by those tech stocks, mm. um, the mega cap growth stocks still going gangbusters. Keep going. When you look at what's going on there, what's going on here, how do, you, how do you sort of value the Australian market at the moment? Oh, look, Australian market looks to be incredibly cheap, right? Um, and we've done really well last year, but this year we sort of lag somewhat because we don't have all the growth stock that's taking us higher. Right now in the Australian market, last six months has been rallying in the defensives. Now, next six months is going to be led by some of the more cyclical names and, um, you know, cheaper names uh, and smaller names because, you know, we, we are not really seeing much buying across small cap, mm-hmm. mid cap, and we will, you know, as based on what we've seen in the US market, that is potentially coming. And that's very positive for the market. Yeah, yeah Adam, I was talking to uh, the chief strategist at Morningstar in yep. the States this morning who was saying, now is the time to reallocate from growth into value. Interesting, yeah, I'm not too sure. I think the, the, the Australian, we've still got a lot of work to do with our inflation number. You know, we're at 7.8 and interest rates are at fours. The US is at 4% inflation with their interest rates at five. So they've done a lot of that work already. I think our interest rates are still gonna continue to go higher over the next coming couple of months. Sorry to all of those mortgage people out there, but that is what's gonna happen. And that's going to be tough to find value in our market, especially with interest rates rising. Um, so well, yeah, because I, I might say that was on the basis, that Morningstar comment on the fact that he feels as though it's, it's all over as far as the Fed's concerned. In the US? Yeah. Yes. And and absolutely, I think it's, I don't know if it's all over, but there's definitely a pause and it's definitely uh, inflation's moving in the right direction. I think Australia, like Jumbe says, we're a little bit behind and we've still got a little, little bit more work to do going forward. Yeah, just on that value point, so, you know, moving from growth to value, I think mm. uh, relatively growth has done really well so far this year. You know, NASDAQ in bull market, right? And uh, everything else is a little bit lagged. I think value could also be defined instead of, you know, cyclicals, it can be defined as resources companies because okay. they are value as well. They okay. are very cheap. Yeah. So that is where the interest might be because, you know, China stimulus is coming. It's getting louder and louder. So that's potentially quite a lot of opportunity in that front. Yeah. Is that exciting you, what you're seeing in China at the moment, given yeah. obviously coming off of, you know, low base growth at the moment? Well, we even saw ANZ today talk about going back into China, you know, mm. um, and putting more money back mm. into Asia, right? Whereas through the pandemic, they cut 50% of their workforce and, and, and basically moved.
moved away. So yeah, it does excite me about China. It excites me if China then starts to take the tariffs, more tariffs off Australia. Mm. Treasury wine estates um, will certainly be one of those ones. Yeah, I think that a treasury wine is absolutely, I hate to use this term, but it's almost a no-brainer at this point. Yeah. It's not expensive. You take out the China opportunity, which is blue sky, put it aside. Uh, it is on less than 20 times earnings for growing double digits for yeah. the next three years. It's incredible. It's not much debt. It's very strong balance sheet. And then if China happens, and I think it's real, it's real, this opportunity. Um, share price will be up 15, 20 percent in just one day. That's the catalyst, though, isn't it? China reducing tariffs. That'll be the catalyst for TWE to continue I actually, to move higher. Actually, I think that will be the significant cap. But if you don't have that, share yeah. price will move higher. It's too cheap. Too yeah. cheap for a defensive growth company. They're selling some vineyards as well in the US. Selling well. some vineyards. And if you look at the share price of this company, right, relative to its global luxury beverage peer, yeah. uh, Remy and a few others, um, it's really decoupled since they lost China. Right. Um, and, it's, and it's so cheap relative to to what those guys are trading on mm. at, and not to mention it's much cheaper than Woolworth. Yeah. <laughs> Woolworth trading on 26 times with not much growth. So, you know, it's it really put that in a really good defensive position for the next 12 months. All right, we're getting some bonus stock picks here. That's good to see. Um, all right, right let, in. <laughs> let's uh, take a look at the first five. We're going to take a look at, uh, in fact, we've got some themes happening here. Uh, we've got uh, financials, we've got property, we've also got some resource stocks too. Uh, our first five, Virgin Money, Cog Financial, Hum, Region Group uh, Growth Point Properties. And our stock of the day is AGL. It's just hosting its investor day today, uh, discussing its strategy, growth plans, operations, and its performance, of course, updating its FY23 and 24 earnings guidance. For FY23, saying its underlying EBITDA is between uh, 1.3 billion, 1.375. Its underlying profit after tax between 255 and 285 million. For fiscal 24, is projecting underlying earnings of between 1.875 billion and 2.175 billion. Underlying profit after tax projected to be between 580 and 780 million. And the chief executive there saying expects FY24 to be a stronger year as they see the sustained recovery of wholesale electricity prices roll through. You've only got to look at the headlines to see all those electricity prices going up right now. So, um, Adam, yep. uh, take a look at the stock today. My goodness, it good. is uh, absolutely flying. It's up around 15%. Yep. Of course, that's uh, the, the five-year chart there. But we just see that uptick at the end. So maybe there is value. Well, or is it now too late? Well, Jumbo and I were talking about this one before the show started. And we missed it at that sort of $6.00. I looked at it at $8 again. I thought, oh, there's so much uneasiness that's going on with share register, with the uh, power plants being shut down. Uh, they're they're the, one of the biggest polluters in Australia with their coal-fired power stations. You know, all of these sort of flags that sort of made me go, no, I'm not going to buy it. Now at $11, I think I've missed that initial run. I think it's probably a little bit too late. But with wholesale prices going where they're going, and we know electricity prices aren't going, they're only going one way, which is higher. Um, this will really uh, continue to be a story. And that 2024 story looks like it's being started to price in at the moment, potentially. So I think it's a little bit too late. If you hold it, you would definitely hold on to it. I think it's, it's but, but for me, I'd be neutral on it at this price. 
Yep, Chumba. It's always a disclaimer that we missed it, so our well, our view might be biased. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will be selling. It. Look, you know, if you hold it, look, you know, it's probably okay for some time. It's defensive and it's earning pretty much locked in simply because you know government has given them the ability to increase price up to you know over twenty percent mm-hmm. uh, for the next twelve months. So you know from first of July. So um, you know net net that next twelve month they have very high confidence they will get to that earning. So my question is looking ahead, right? Everyone knows the price increase and know what the earning is, um, but is the electricity price going to be another 20% in the following year? It's very, very unlikely because mm. if it is going to be so significant increase, um, consumers start being very, very mindful of what they spend on, uh, what electricity they use. And at the same time, they will it will cause political backlash. Um, it always does when the electricity prices, because such a big component of people's expenditure, yeah. um, you know, you will have politicians stepping in, start talking about how do we manage this. We're already hearing some of it, uh, but next 12 months, when consumers under enormous amount of pressure with mortgages and you know and then when this is so high it is coming off so mm-hmm. to me this is a peak year earning uh, it's defensive it's probably not going to move with the market market falls and the like but I, I just I don't think you should put any fresh money in it yeah. but you'd hold it if you got it I will be selling it. Oh, you'd be selling it. Well, I, I, I yeah, you yeah. Know, okay. I, I just think there's better money to be made elsewhere to use your capital. Well, it's I guess that, that goes to the point of both of you saying why you missed it. Well, that mm. was for a reason, wasn't it? Well, yeah, which you just outlined. Absolutely, mm. and th- there's more. There's more red flags going on with this company. You know, there's still we, we just don't know how the board's reacting. I mean, today they're they're happy. They're jumping out of their seat trying mm. to tell investors that everything's gonna gonna be okay. Yep. But there's still lots of stuff that's going on in the background that, yeah, and so it's just a little bit too hard at the moment at this price. All right, that is AGL. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. Uh, the first one, we're going to dive into the uh, those uh, diversified financials. Uh, this one picked by Rhonda Virgin Money, and uh, it is uh, that uh, financial services and banking group in the UK. Uh, First half result there, seen as perhaps a little weaker than expected, higher operating expenses, some bad debts, um, business loan growth reasonable there, but uh, shrinking home loans, unsecured balances there, which is a bit of a headwind for the company. Uh, Jumbe. Virgin Money, what are your thoughts? Look, it's just too hard. It sits in that value bucket, but it is too hard um, because uh, it, it operates in UK. Uh, you know, we are heading into a global um, slowdown, um, if not recession, in some markets. Right. Um, UK is really, really tough. Um, you don't want to hold a regional bank um, or you know, third, second tier bank uh, heading into that kind of environment because your bad debt is increasing. We're only just seeing the beginning of it. Um, and, uh, and then the cost of funding is high, which is where they get the money from. You have to compete for deposit. Um, at the same time, um, you know, demand is slowing as well, what you can charge. So, you know, the margin is really going to get crunched over the next um, next 12 to 18 months. Just really tough to assess where the earning might land. And banks, remember, are very, very leveraged instrument to, to the economic activity. It'll yeah. be a sell for me. A yeah. sell. Yeah. yeah, just avoid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm going to go with a sell also mm. on that one or avoid whatever you way, strong sell, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it basically, um, uh, the economic outcomes still remain uncertain within the UK. The banking sector definitely looks like it's under pressure. Um, their, their inflation rate is still being very, very sticky and continuing to rise. And I think those near-term catalysts is just not enough uh, to be involved with it. You look at the chart there, it doesn't look fantastic as well. That that chart certainly looks like uh, it's it's just sort of trundling along doing not much as well. Cost management is going to be a key thing for this business and I think that they're there's some risk to the upside on that, so I'd be cautious and be selling. 
All right, so that's an overall very negative outlook as far as Virgin Money is concerned. Uh, all right, let's uh, stay in this sector then. Our next one is uh, close to home. It is Cog Financial, picked by Adele, with a focus really on, on ag and transport and infrastructure. Uh, did uh, see some positive uh, transaction volumes there. Mm. Um, it does apparently have a backlog of equipment orders, but it a largely positive outlook for, as I mentioned, that focus that it's got in ag transport and infrastructure uh, and you look at the share price over the last couple of years done pretty well yeah it's done okay yeah my first thing is liquidity in the business it's very very on, on the stock uh, the liquidity is very very small so if you know trying to get set or get out of this in sort of any kind of large positions will be very very tough for them the other side of it is is that they are an end-to-end business system so they do have um, they do lending, novated leasing, insurance, as well as they do have a funds management division as well. So it is a, a, an all-round sort of decent business. And with around about 6.7 billion assets and over 120,000 transactions, uh, these guys have, d- have done okay. But I, looking at the trading side of things, it's too illiquid for me. And so that would be my biggest issue with this one. So I'm going to say stay away from it. Um, because of that liquidity issue. I think the business is okay, but they need to address that liquidity issue for me. Yeah, okay, Jumbo. Uh, look, um, part of this business does the factoring and the like, so that is a very, very tough com- uh, area to be at the moment because they're not banks, so they don't take deposits, so they have to borrow money, get the warehouse facility, get the money from the bank, which that cost has been going up yeah. because of interest rate, and then, then they need to factor it and then tr- hopefully to pass on to the end um, consumer. Um, and that's been, you know, sort of demand has been pretty tough. So they sort of sit in that really tough spot. And for the next 12 to 18 months, that's going to be really tough. Um, you know, know it at least, I think it's a smaller component of the business. So for me, I'll be selling this company if you hold it. Uh, it's very liquid, so you've got to be sure. Um, and just because where they're sitting, it just seems to be a very tough spot. Um, I actually think know it at least because it's so small, so it doesn't really make, move the dial. But know it at least is actually a really interesting spot yeah. at the moment. I will be looking at buying the Smart Group, the Macmillan Shakespeare. It is very interesting. EV is picking up big time because of the regulatory change Uh, and that only just happened late last year and now EV EV used to be a tiny portion of the Noveda lease and now it's something like 50% Mm. just within a few months Um, and all the companies are talking about these uh, uh, no analysts have put that into their numbers so that significant pickup it just literally just happened Um, so we started seeing the share price start to move but that space is incredibly interesting because of EV you get that leverage in fact I was just reading this morning I think Westpac is now offering some financial uh, incentives for its customers in terms of um, purchasing EVs too so I mean that is a new market isn't it that's right so and the government because government changed um, uh, the the leasing incentive so uh, in November so now if you get a Tesla, so 80000 is the cap, right? Get an $80,000 Tesla, it's almost equivalent of getting like a, you know, $50,000, $60,000 car. Yeah, so it's right. almost like if you want to be in that price cap, you will only purchase EV through Novated Lease. And it has to be not a hybrid, it has to be full electric. It has to be full electric, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it has to be, and yeah. it has to be white or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of white EVs lately, but it has to be, yeah, so certain requirements. Certain but requirements. it's Yeah, yeah, but it's incredible. So the volume picked up, it literally in the last few months, it's 50 percent of now order and the way at least you should yeah. also another can i do another stock buy here yeah, yeah. go for um, it we should look at uh ipg which is the ipd group What's which that? creates um uh charging charging stations for electronic vehicles is it profitable yes 
Ooh. I wouldn't recommend anything that's not. <laughs> they were just out, they were out with some news this week. They actually, upgraded their earnings. Yeah, yep, right. we went for another upgrade today. I love it. I bought them at three bucks. I'm going to continue buying them. They're at four at the moment. Um, they've got 5,000 charging stations around Australia. They need 100,000 charging stations. So they have enough money to fund the CapEx? Yep. <coughs> yep. Have a look at it. What's a market cap? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting in that space. Cause well, because you, you've think, got EVs. They yeah. need to be out of travel. Well, yeah, but yeah? Think, so are people going to go to those specific charging stations or will it be going to those service stations with the likes of Ampol? Yeah. We'll have to obviously change that infrastructure. So exactly. they're doing the deals with the service stations yeah. as well to do that. Uh-huh. And it's not a Tesla one because Tesla will, uh, charging stations will only fit Tesla plugs and they uh-huh. only do Tesla. Well, these guys will be across all of the Volvos and right. everything else as well. But they need to up- upgrade to another 100,000 by 2027. And if the EVs start coming through, that infrastructure needs to grow with it. So yeah. it's a fascinating business because it makes you think you go to a service station or a charging mm. station, you've got to spend what, half an hour there? What do you do? Yeah, the fast, fast ones. And then the other ones are like four hours, the yeah. slow ones. But like, you know, what are they offering there? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. where they're making their margins, like, isn't it, on those service That's stations? Right. It's not selling petrol. No, it's, it's the convenience. Bread, milk, whatever. And everything yeah. else that goes with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have. Uh, anyway. We have to open up an account. Yeah, first. yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. We do have an account. <laughs> All right, let's get into our third stock. Uh, continuing in this theme of diverse financial hum, picked by uh, Christine. Uh, it's a, a fintech. Um, an increase in uh, in volumes there of about eleven percent on the previous corresponding period. It's less results. Uh, its commercial segment up about thirty nine percent. Share price though has been under significant pressure over the past 12 months. I think it's off about uh, 12, uh, 40%, in fact. Uh, Jumbe, hum. Yeah, that's an old flexi group. Um, and uh, again, to me, it's just stuck in a tough period. So that's why a tough spot, because mm. uh, that, that's why share price is not really working, because they have to uh, borrow money from the warehouse facility, which is from the bank, and the cost being rising, and they sell it off to pass it on, you know, sell it off to consumer. Um, and a lot of their deals is actually with large retail groups like Harvey Norman and JB Hi-Fi and, and the like. So when consumer um, sort of spending falls and foot traffic falls through those retail stores, so will their sales. So, you know, it literally gets stuck in the Really, really tough spot and once upon a time used to be a buy now pay later company as well so i'm not sure what happened to that side of the business but yeah, still buy now pay oh still there is yeah, it oh okay yeah. so yeah so i just think it's a really tough spot to be um you know very hard to share see share price move anywhere for the time being so you're selling it uh, i'll sell it yeah okay it's cheap i know it's very cheap but just put your capital to something else i always feel that opportunity cost it's just the wrong part of the cycle, like mm. you're just saying. I mean, if, if interest rates start falling, consumer discretionary starts to really run again, mm. then that's when you look at these businesses. And, you know, ASIC's tighten the screws on the lending requirements for buy now, pay later. And I think they even with HUM, they actually stopped them trading so that they wanted to look inside or lift oh. the hood up and look inside and see to make sure that they're putting the right pl- um, issuances in place. Uh, around those documents to make sure that they're not lending money to people who can't afford it. So that has been a big, uh, a big red flag for us. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with Jumbo. We're on the sell side this time. Yeah, Jumbo. we're not doing well. Uh, well, I uh, guess. Look, you're nothing wrong with selling. No, I mean, you know, well. But- we've got other buys additional buys not in the list yeah, yeah that's right we've got better buys that's right. Right. Bonus so yeah I, I, it's the wrong part of the cycle um you know if you're there you know you potentially why would you be there i mean i'm still with zip i'm still holding it so i'm i'm you know i can't say too much about the buy now pay later sector but i just don't think you need to be with hum it's always been the third afterpay mm. zip and then hum has always been the third business and yeah you don't need to be there mm. all right okay 
So let's uh, rule that line under uh, those diversified financial stocks. We're now going to get into the REITs. And uh, our stock we're going to take a look at first is Region Group, picked by Jeff. In fact, it's the old um, SCA property group. Uh, I guess it's uh, that name change, a bit of a reflection of where they're operating at the moment. Certainly a concentration on uh, regional Australia. Uh, did see um, what's uh, its last results, saw some improved um, sales figures there, uh, saying it's got solid leasing, um, obviously under pressure with a lot of these shopping centres, um, given, you know, particularly with uh, discretionary, um, those uh, those particular leasors there, uh, mm-hmm. which are under pressure. Um, so, Adam, mm. well, REITs in general, I guess, we can yeah. talk about that, but specifically region group, how are you looking at it? So we're certainly seeing uh, regional valuations, let's just say on property, is actually doing, or there's been a little bit of consolidation back, and the, the uh, SCA region group has always been, it's, it's found a, a big area, like a big box area. It's got a Woolworths or a Coles, which is their corner tenant or their major tenant, and then they've got lots of specialty stores around it, and that's basically been their whole thing, that they can, you know, you can park the car, take out the pram, do your shopping, and then go home. But what, what's happened is, and we're seeing this a lot in the in the in the REIT space, is that there's been uh, property valuations that have been now uh, decreasing. Obviously, property prices have come back, and some of their properties, over especially for the region group, their properties decreased by 74 million or 1.7 percent. So that is well, the whole business is about property and the valuations of those properties. So I'd be a little bit cautious around this one at the moment. I think. Um, th- Goodman Group is probably your better bet in that space and are sort of more more comfortable with that. Um, and, you know, um, there's some other REITs out there that are devaluing their businesses of all well. that property mark to market is coming down as well. I think this one, you don't need to be anywhere near it. I prefer to be in the bigger end of town. Uh, regional shopping centres are okay. Uh, so I'm going to say hold uh, because if you've got it, it's, it's okay. But it does worry me that these valuations are starting. The mark to market is coming down which means I had a client the other day trying to get out of an unlisted property trust. I rang them. They basically said, no, you can't get out. And I was well, like, how can how can you do that? And they were like, well, we, we've got control over our fund mm. and we're not going to let anybody get out of these things, which was a huge red flag for me yeah. that these properties, uh, trusts and REITs are coming under a lot of pressure at the moment. Yeah. Well, further to your point, I think it's last result there, uh, StatNet loss after tax of 95 million, which is attributing to uh, those uh, decreasing valuations of its uh, investment yeah. properties. Yeah. Yeah, like, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, I just wouldn't be in this one. Uh, first of all, property sector is going to be a very tough space. Goodman Group, it's fine. You know, the industrial valuation is trading very, very strong. Yeah. Uh, with all that AI expansion and the like, there's a lot of demand for the big box industrial sort of lands and, and the like. So I think Goodman is well um, uh, well positioned and very, very strong balance sheet now going into a weak market so they can buy lots of, lot of firepower to do things. So I'll be sticking with Goodman Group. Everything else, you know, particularly things like commercial property, just mm. about to hit the wall, just about to face the cliff now. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been waiting for the devaluation. Um, everyone is trading 
get you know steep discount to the NTA, NTA but yeah. everyone's not devaluing. But we just started yeah. seeing evidence of it in the last well in the last few days really. So it's coming this reporting season. You will see a lot of them downgrade um, quite meaningfully, and that could be just the trigger for so many follow-on impact. And you know then you talk about your debt, your gearing, and who's hedge, who's not hedge. It's very hard to work mm-hmm. out. So that whole property sector is very very tough at the moment. Retail transaction exactly like what uh, Adam said. It's going through okay. You know the valuation is holding up okay, but in a slowing retail environment, there will be somewhat impact. Um, but the commercial side is really tough. You know, yeah. just wouldn't be touching them. Okay, so that's a no then from you on Region Group. Well, we're going to stay in this space with the REITs. Our next one is Growth Point Properties Australia, uh, picked by uh, by Albert. Uh, wait. That you know, we're talking about, I guess, uh, shopping centres there. This one is more focused on industrial and office, and I guess there's some interesting discussion just as far as those office valuations at the moment. Mm. Um, and in fact, the share price is down about 29% over the past year. So, Jumbei, no. any interest here whatsoever? No, if you want industrial, buy Goodman Group. And right. uh, commercial, so the offices is where you don't want to be. The cliff is coming. Yeah. So, your devaluation, particularly when it's not top tier A grade properties. You just don't know where, I don't know where the, the valuation support is very hard to find. Um, Dex has just sold a building at um, something like 20, uh, 17% discount to NTA, it's mm. massive. Um, so, and that's A grade um, property. So what that means is by year end, everyone else will reference to that sale yeah. um, and then we'll have the devaluation by result. So you don't want to be, yeah, don't touch yourself. Yeah, in fact, uh, well, that, that was making headlines early in the week, wasn't it? Those massive uh, office, building uh, valuations that have come down. Sales force, the new building that's yes. just gone up in Sydney, mm. uh, which is what, 75 stories or whatever. Mm, mm. It's, it's struggling to fill. And it, immediately the valuation has just completely fallen. Mm. I think with uh, with Growth Point, you've got to look at, obviously they've got a good whale, so that's a weighted average lease. So that that, that, that I think is okay. Their gearing level is around about 34 and 35%, which is within management's range of, uh, I think it was 35 to 40 35 to 45% on that going forward. So interest cover looks okay. I mean, sort of all the metrics are there, but the share price obviously is not being supported and totally agree with the rest of uh, my learned colleagues that the cliff is coming. And so that's gonna be interesting. One other thing that we did see is Abacus yesterday divesting their Storage King business. Now, I think that storage side of things is a very defensive side of things and mm-hmm. is doesn't look too bad. Um, they, they came in at the lower end of the range, 141. Looks like it's going to be okay. Um, something like that might be all right to have a look at in, in a more of a, a, a REIT space or more of a defensive space. But I'd be cautious on growth point. I'd say no, and I'd be getting out. All right, that is in fact a sell. Um, look, we're going to do another property um, stock. <laughs> we just after. Is that residential? If we um, went to a buy, would anybody? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, look, you, you both like Goodman. We know that. Yes. And more broadly with REITs, so you're not touching office, retail, but industrial. What? Yeah, so I mean, I guess, um, yeah, I mean, this Goodman Group. I mean, I yeah. don't, I don't really see anything else out there that's the market leader, that's you know the best in class. And I think that's where you've got to stay. If if the cliff is coming, that's where you've got to be. Um, there's probably nowhere else to hide. Gee, it sounds dire. Uh, watch out for the cliff. There are a couple of cliffs to negotiate as we head into as the second half of the year. All right, let's summarise where we've been for the first half of the show. Our stock of the day. 
was uh, AGL. It's got its investor day today, and uh, the market loves it. Uh, it's up about 15%, uh, which takes us to the point, I guess, is with valuations at the moment, um, with both uh, Jumbay and Adam pointing out, well, they've missed it, and it's too late. Uh, but Adam says, if you're there, hold it, uh, whereas Jumbay would take those profits and sell. Uh, to our first stock, as picked by you, uh, into the diversified financials, Virgin Money, that UK financial services making company. Uh, too hard, says Jumbay. Uh, focused there also on bad debts. Um, it's an avoid. And uh, Adam, likewise, uh, too many risks. It is a sell there from Adam. Cog Financial, um, too illiquid, points out uh, Adam. It's an avoid from him and a sell from Jumbay. Uh, preferring, and we began by talking about the novated lease space. Smart Group, I think, was one suggestion there. You're liking IPG, which is IPD. IPD Group, yes. Yes, yeah, sorry, IPG, yep. 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 Uh, and uh, just the potential there we're seeing, particularly as far as those charging stations are concerned. Uh, Hum Group, which um, it is the old flexi group. Uh, Jumbay pointing out, very tough business. She slapped a sell on it, uh, as has Adam, just saying it's the wrong side of the cycle there for Hum. Into the REITs. And we began there with uh, Region Group, which has a focus on uh, regional shopping centres. Uh, and I'm pointing out the valuations there are falling at the properties there that's invested in. Uh, he does have a hold on it though, but as pointed out, his uh, preference there is Goodman Group, as is Jumbay's. So Jumbay not interested in it, uh, just pointing out that we've got this commercial property cliff coming. And therefore, our fifth stock there, uh, no, neither interested. Um, once again, Preference there would be Goodman in the industrial space and uh, Jumbay, yeah, pointing out that commercial property cliff is coming. So that is a sell from, uh, in fact, a sell from Adam, a no, point blank no there from Jumbay. All right, let's uh, catch up with our portfolio. It's our high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee here. The latest episode of that is live here to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on the updates into June, South 32 was replaced by Altium. Woodside was removed. Its weighting of 3% was split between CSL, Linus, and West Farmers. Elders was removed. Its weighting was split between the newly added Avita Medical and RPM Global Holdings. So in terms of performance, since March last year, unfortunately this has been falling uh, across the week, in fact, the last couple of weeks, uh, we're now down below 7% uh, higher on a cumulative return basis since that inception of the fund. So keep sending your requests in, keep the course switched on to see which stocks we'll be looking at next. So next half of this show, we'll, uh, well our last of the REITs there, Unibail Redemco, 29 Metals, AIC Mines, Gold Road Resources, and Newcrest. You can see the themes that we've uh, gone through here. All right, so picking it up with the REITs, Unibail Redemco, Westfield, picked by uh, Letty. Uh, it is the European multinational commercial real estate uh, company. Uh, Jumbay, you know, once again, this is a focus on that commercial property, isn't it? Particularly with uh, those big shopping centres. What are you seeing here? It's especially shopping centre in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Across Europe, that is very, very hard to ascertain. And uh, the economic reality isn't great over there. And this company is very heavily geared. Um, I think, you know, it, it were, you know, we looked at it a while ago. It's just very hard to even find equity value after the, um, you know, after you actually divest all the assets. So, you know, just so much debt sitting on the, uh, on, on with that vehicle at the same time when the, you know, your interest rates going high is significant 
significantly, it's almost um, you know uninvestable at this point unless you're punting on someone take it out. But just so much debt, it's very very unlikely, very difficult to make it work. It's a void. All right, well, that was short and sweet. You know exactly where you're coming from, Adam. Do you see any positives here? Uh, so, n- not not really. Um, however, they have started divesting some of their U.S. and European assets, and that's um, created some more capital of uh, proceeds of around 4.7 billion that just came out last month. Look, overall, I think the turnover looks is is anemic. They've said the turnover one point four percent, which is you know that there's no real growth there at all. Um, rental is up around seven percent, and that's what you want. But um, their rent collection is at ninety five percent as well, so it's not a hundred percent. So they've still got some bad debts in there and things like that. So that's not too great. They do have a lot of cash on their balance sheet, um, you know, going forward. What perplexed me about this stock is is that luxury goods have been going absolutely gangbusters, especially in Europe, yeah. right? Like absolutely killing it. But and in these guys, obviously, potentially, do they have a Louis Vuitton inside the Unibail inside the mall, or is it outside? But they probably like here in Sydney. They've got all those big luxury goods inside of that. So that's one sector that's been moving very, very well and, and going ridiculous. But I don't think these guys are going to take advantage of all of that. They've still got lots of other shops in there, and I think it's going to be really tough. Another reason why I don't actually buy it on the Australian market is that the French government actually charges you a, a GST, like a, a tax on top of what you buy. So you might buy, let's say, $100 worth. They'll charge you another $30 on top of that to because you're buying a french company and it's a cdi so again it, people get stung they went well i only wanted to buy ten thousand dollars worth and now mm. i've got to charge them extra and then sort of just this whole uh, and then when mm. you sell it you also pay tax on it as well oh goodness so it's not really clear when you actually buy the stock mm. that these these kinds of things happen and so yeah we steer clear of it because there's extra conversations that we have to have with clients so they're going to put more money in than what they what says on the contract note so little things like that just make it uninvestable for us. And look, it's been a fantastic story when it was Westfield. I just think now that it's moved away, uh, I, I, I'd be selling it and I've taken it out of all of my portfolios for my clients. Yeah, well, I guess um, maybe Frank Lowy saw the writing on the wall. Didn't he? Oh, you sure yeah, did. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, you Perfect always timing. follow them. Yeah. You know, as investors, you always follow those founders. Yeah, they know yeah. when the top is. Absolutely, yeah, that's you right. picked a perfect time for absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. So look, you know, I think for investing, Westfield is an incredible brand, right? Like in Australia, you know, it's it's it runs. The, it's the best shopping center mm, um, mm. almost in the world, right? So you know, I think for investors, if you really want to be part of Westfield, um, you know, buy a domestic vehicle. Don't buy yeah. offshore one. We don't know what it. Why haven't they benefited from those luxury? But if you look at domestic, you know, they've got all the top shops in there, um, and they're doing very well. They what well, they're doing well for the time being. Yeah. Um, but the challenge is that we're heading into the wrong environment where foot traffic will fall and then they've got quite a lot of uh, very high look-through gearing. Um, but for the domestic vehicle, they um, they all their rents are 80% or 90% is inflation hedged. So, you know, if inflation is 6%, they put up their rent 6%. So it's actually very high um, inflation protection, right. uh, though the debt is, is high mm. come this reporting season. Just further to your... Uh, coming there about those the the luxury brands, how yep. are they doing at the moment? Yep. Are you are you in there like so LVMH and uh, so on? No, I mean, well, no, um, we, I haven't in, haven't invested in any of those European or those luxury brands. 
I mean, I'm waiting on Treasury Wines. I think that's I know, my, that's that, a luxury brand. That's, that's, that's it's the cheapest luxury brand, brand that's you what can I'm buy. Waiting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm waiting for. Right. But yeah, you even look at some of the European ones, they're, they're just, I, I, I sort of can't, obviously the rich still have a lot of money to spend and they still think it's like it's 1999 mm-hmm. and they're just going to keep spending. So, but that that has definitely been propping up a lot of the European side of things. Um, mm. You know, in, in wine, Louis Vuitton, LVMA, all, all of those kinds of things, Moet, yeah, they've, they've done really, really well. This, this is actually a really interesting point. I saw someone's chart, I think it's a UBS strategist done some charts, um, uh, even domestically, and the US is the same uh, feedback, same survey, survey response is that top cohort um, consumers, so consumers were doing together, you know, all doing very well until mm. two years ago. Mm. And then up until 18 months or two years ago, you see the top cohort started spending more and more money, yeah, whereas right. the mid to lower started going lower, and then the mid tier sort of gone sideways in the last six months, yeah. and the bottom end started dropping in terms of their spending, but the top continued to rise, continued to pick up like a hockey stick. Mm. So what that means is that I think it's very interesting. Maybe it's the rich people, their asset owners, they are not, they don't have mortgages. Yes. Yes. You know, they are not impacted by high interest rate. Yes. They own shares, they invest in shares, they invest in assets, which has gone up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then they continue to spend, right? So that's what make the overall number why look like consumers so resilient because mm. that top cohort. Yeah, well, that's obviously the other third of those uh, households in Australia don't have a mortgage, aren't renting. Um, as you say, they're uh, they're spending like it's 1999. Yeah. Stop it. That's right, it's you. As a result, they're going to keep hiking those rates. All right, so. You heard uh, it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Let's... Um, Let's draw a line then uh, under those uh, REITs and get into commodities. <laughs> and uh, the first we're going to take a look at here is 29 metals. It's sort of got a focus on copper and other metals that are sort of critical, I guess, to the, the energy transition. However, it's not profitable, uh, has had its, its issues. Adam, how do you view this one? Yeah, there's lots of, lots of little things that can go wrong with this one. Uh, one, uh, the Capricorn copper restart is going to cost them a lot of money. I think there was 100 to 120 million capex that they need to get this thing up and running. And that's a fair bit of coin to get this going. Despite the uncertainty, um, they've had some issues with their tailings dam and their water as well. So there's there's a couple of things and hence why the share price is looking like it's on its knees at the moment. Um, they are intending to do bulk uh, treat or uh, some of their existing water and using some of their other mechanicals that they've got from the site to bring it on. So I think they're trying to save some money as well. But for me, I think, you know, this was was a, a good IPO back in 2021. I think the copper zinc mine in WA looks good um, and it's early stage exploration, but they do have some stuff in Chile as well. So that Red Hill project. So um, potentially that, that might prove some upside as well. I'm really a, a big fan of copper. I think copper's got a lot, a, a great story that's going to happen over the next uh, three, two to three years, four years. Um, I think this one's too high risk for me. Uh, I'm going to stay with Sandfire, and we've got another one coming up that I potentially would look at. So from for me, this is too high risk. I'd be moving out of it. Uh, I think the capex is going to drag this one even further, so it would be a no for me. Or in fact, a sell if you've got it. Yep. 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 Okay, Jumbo. 
Yeah, I'll be selling that if you really want to pure copper play is Senfi and although Senfi price has been under a bit of pressure because yeah. rumored that they might buy another large asset which yeah. could potentially be bigger than their market cap. So capital raising potentially is coming. But yeah. you know, offshore we just saw overnight there's um, um there's a there's an MA start taking place. So mm. you know copper is a very strategic asset and I do think that Senfi is well positioned. Or you can go larger, you know, BHP has a bit of copper as well, you know, iron ore and copper. So yeah. you know that's another safe way to play it. Um, it's just market conditions not right for um, you know sort of punting on a speculative um, explorer at the moment. So, are you buying into this long-term copper story? Uh, I, I hold them, um, but I, I do buy into the likes of BHP because I think iron ore technically. Uh, tactically in the short term looks very strong uh, and then this copper I think long term strategically you have to have it in your portfolio mm. um, because it's coming you know you look at the demand for the EV we're just talking about EV everywhere um, yeah. here in Australia uh, it's global it's a global thing um, and, and that thematic is true so you have to stick to the likes of you know copper and you know the, uh, the green green um, metals metals yeah yeah all right, okay, so that's a big no, or in fact a sell for 29 metals. Let's get into another one that does have a focus on copper as well. That is AIC Mines, uh, gold and copper. Uh, there's two main projects. It's uh, Mary uh, Mia Gold and Copper Exploration Project and the Lamel Gold Copper Exploration Project in Northwest WA. Uh, recently tapped investors for about 30 million to expand its, expand, well, to expand its Eloise copper mine in North Queensland at the same time. Jumbay, AIC. Actually, I can see uh, Adam's got a stack of research paper. Let me not steal his thunder. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, look, I'm going to stay with my analyst on this one. We've got to buy. It is high risk, so be careful with a price target of over 60 cents. So it does look like it's a little bit... Um, still got a ways to go on, on that share price, but um, we we do like this story. It is in that sort of second tier in the in the copper and gold play or the gold space, so you need to be careful. They do have thirty seven million or something in cash at the moment, so they're doing okay. I like that, and they're guiding to twelve and a half thousand tons uh, of copper production for this year. So look, they, they are in the in the space of getting that. Uh, they are a regional explorer, but also then uh, production. Uh, is is there as well. So all in all, really comfortable with it. I think uh, overall their maiden drill program, which is going to finish by the end of 2023, uh, will see further, further mine upgrades and resource upgrades, and that will then lead to a higher share price going forward. So we're going to maintain the buy, a 60 cent price target. I think there's a few ways to invest in simple uh, leverage exposure to copper, and this is one of them. Obviously, I'm preferring Samphire because that's in the biggest end of town and it's probably the number one go-to. But for someone with a higher risk tolerance, I'd be comfortable to put some money into this one. So, and, and you think better off to take advantage of this copper narrative with going specific copper stocks rather than like the likes of BHP, for instance? Uh, so BHP definitely with taking over of Oz Minerals, yeah. definitely, um, it, it, but it is not a pure copper play. No. And so if you really want to leverage on that copper story, yes, you'd need to go for a pure play. Uh, AIC really looks good in our metrics. It looks good for what we're, we're talking about. And the Eloise copper operation uh, is is probably one of their standouts uh, you know, going forward. So. It's a pure copper play, yet comfortable to be there, and I'll stick with uh, our research. Is it surprising there aren't more pure copper plays in Australia? 
It's actually very difficult to get copper or find copper. Well, normally it comes to gold. Yes. So you get a lot of so goldies a, mixing You get the byproduct too. and things yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, I think we, we, we've had such a consolidation in that space and we've had a lot of juniors that have been, so Musgrave the other day got a takeover bid. Um, so, you know, the, the, the smaller guys are starting to get together and sort of they have to be bigger to, to, to compete. But yeah, it is it is interesting that we, we haven't got so much copper in there. And it it also comes down to the grading. You know, you look at these guys and, you know, they might... I generally look at a, a copper play, it's got to have 1% copper and it's got to be at good depth, right? So in other words, so close to the surface, but good depth. It's really tough to find good copper production with a 1%, 2% copper grade because they're generally either in the smaller end and mm. it's lots of dirt needs to be moved to, to get it out or you've got these really thin, like gold, thin veins that it's really hard to find and it sort of disappears as they sort of try and drill for it. So it takes longer to drill, which costs more to get it out of the ground. So you want a project that's de-risked as much as possible and increasing their mine life. But again, that's... <laughs> That's hard. To yeah, you've got to tick a lot of boxes. And I guess if you're looking beyond Australia, then you've got to deal with that sovereign risk at the same time. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Jumbei then. Look, I think, um, you know, the mining is not my expertise. <laughs> so I'm going to rely on, you know, Shaw and Partners expertise saying it's a hold. <laughs> um, but I, I must say, I'm much much more excited about the charging station, <laughs> electric charging station, yes. than the, you know, explorer in the gold and copper space. Okay, you're looking way up the value chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so it's just <laughs> so, mining is not my expertise. And, you know, and I would prefer in the current market condition to be in the larger names, more liquid, mm. got cash flow. You don't really take on additional risk. But when the market risk appetite returns this will probably do pretty well if they have enough cash to take them through that period and they have pretty good you know data and things so Mm. yeah but for me you know i feel much more comfortable looking at the electric charging station where we know the demand is coming all right so does that mean you're not really interested in battery metals as such? You're not into those resources? Oh, no, no, no. I'm into, so the likes of lithium, right? So we yeah. like lithium, but we're sitting in the ones that's cash flow positive. Um, they generate, you know, lots and lots of money. Things like PLS, things like IGO look pretty good. Um, but then the unprofitable producers are just much harder um, to make a call because, first of all, there's risk in production um, to get things out, out of the ground. And second of all, you need the ultimate price to hold up well by the time you get out, get those product out. So, you know, much rather to be, you know, in the profitable larger names to be a bit more defensive. The best way to play copper mm. for um, someone who doesn't understand copper and wants to diversify, there's an ETF called WIRE, yep. W-I-R-E. Mm. Um, that has BHP in it, it has Antifagasta, mm. I hope I said that right, uh, in there. It's got all of the major Samphire, it's got all of the major copper producers in there around the world, not just for Australia, but around the world. And I think that's a better, more diversified way to play and to get pure copper exposure is via that ETF. Yep. Okay. And I think I also want to add, just be mindful of investing in copper just because of this green thematic, right? Mm -hmm. Because it can come and go. And then that means what people pay for those names can rise and fall quite sharply. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and copper, remember copper is a material also used for lots of other things. And it is linked for global, uh, to the global growth. So when we do head into a slowdown, put China aside, head into a global slowdown, the usage for copper is going to be a little bit less. But, you know, over the long term, yes, there'll be more EV there'll be a lot of demand for copper it's great but for the short term if china demand doesn't come back quickly for you know just in terms of economic activity um there might be a bit of a shortfall or you know a bit of an oversupply in terms of the copper for the yeah. next 12 months so just be mindful of jumping in just for the thematic 
Yeah, uh, yeah, good point. I mean, it's not just EVs. I mean, there's an extraordinary amount of copper that goes into those uh, wind turbines, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Solar farms. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. All right, okay, so let's leave copper aside. Moving to gold now. Uh, and uh, the first one I'm going to take a look at is gold road resources, sort of mid tier uh, Aussie producer and explorer. Uh, with uh, plots in WA, South Australia, Queensland, uh, also has a, what around twenty percent interest in Degray. At the same time, got there's some news out of Degray, which mm. I'll get to in just a moment. But um, Jumbay, Gold Road, do you like gold? Uh, uh, or okay, well not the metal itself, but the producers. Look, I, I again, so two things. So, so view on the gold, and also where do you play it. So for yeah. me, I much prefer the larger names, the larger names, the liquid name, the quality names. That's for you to gain leverage to the gold prices. I always believe every portfolio should have some gold. It's for good diversification. Yep. Um, and now I find I always find it very hard to predict the the direction of where the gold price is going, simply because there are so many variables, and gold is something that is you know that's um, uh, price can move a little bit erratically. So um, I always have some gold, and I normally sit in the um, the larger the Northern Star, the Newcrest is a purer way to play gold prices now. Um, the smaller one, I just find that gold is very hard to get out of the ground. I always feel there's a lot of challenges and things. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be touching that, but um, it's just my preference, just given, you know, I like to be in the bigger quality names. Yeah. yeah. All right. And Adam, just before I get to you, yeah, I was just talking about DeGray did uh, some details out this morning, in fact, because its share price was up about 7%. It's come out and say it's denied leaking to the West Australian newspaper uh, an article which alleges the company's sitting on an extra $3 billion in cash. Um, Just some jump change they found <laughs> yeah, in their pocket, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, saying it's not announced any financial uh, information regarding that, that resources. So, interesting. Wow. Uh, all right, so, Gold where, Road. Where there's smoke, there's fire, you think? You said it. Yeah. Okay, all right, let's go back. Gold Road. Um, so, Obviously, in any gold mining or any mining business, it, it's about how much it costs to get out of the ground. So all in sustaining costs for Gold Road is around about $1,500 to $1,600. And they're guiding to around about 350,000 ounces of gold at that midpoint of $1,600 an ounce. So Aussie gold price is 2800 somewhere around there at the moment. So that actually looks good. That, that means that these guys will continue to be profitable. And it does look like that if they can can hit their targets, this should be okay. But I'm going to say neutral or hold on this one. The stock price actually looks like it's doing all right. But I would say that overall, I'm going to be with Jumbay on this one. I'm going to stay in the quality, always with that. And it will be Northern Star or Evolution for me. So, yeah, be careful on these ones. Neutral, um, but a good all-in sustaining cost. I think that, that that's exactly what you need. Yeah, because I mean, as Jumbo pointed out, they're pretty hard to know where the gold price is going because obviously it was really difficult last year. It lifted from the beginning of the year. Yes. Then, of course, now we're seeing, you know, just as far as the movement from particularly the Fed is concerned, yeah, US dollar, the US dollar is the biggest headwind there. Gold price, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, so that's, uh, that's Gold Road. Uh, so, any interest in degree at all? Uh, I've got a lot of clients with it at a lot lower prices, and I yeah. tried to get them to sell some when you see these big spikes in the uh, in in, and they're, and they're not, and they were right because it's continued to do okay, um, but no real interest. Yeah, I, I think you know I've been stuck in these small ones, but well, not great, it's not small, but I've been stuck in these mid-tier ones before. Yeah, and it's just not a great when the music stops. They're the they're the first to really get hit, and then the large caps will follow. But yeah, I so I'd, I'd be careful into grey as well. All right. 
Okay, well, speaking of the large caps there, we're going to round it out with Newcrest, of course, as the subject of that takeover by Newmont, which is the world's largest gold producer, uh, which would make it even larger, of course, uh, valuing uh, Newcrest at some $19 billion. Adam? Well, it looks like the... The, the scheme of arrangement is going to go through. Yep. Has FERB given their... I, I don't know. I, I don't think I so. Think but I don't think there's any issues. You've obviously got the board approval there, so that's, yeah. that's yeah. the big so tick. I think, but, I think yeah. it's going to go through. It, it will go through. Yeah. I don't think there's any issues. Yeah, um, with it. Um, so it's a, it's a binding scheme of implementation, so that that's pretty much that, that they're going to take it over. Would anybody buy this here? Probably, I. You know, it's all now. The, the, the Newcrest price is predicated on what Newmont's price is doing. Mm-hmm. So, for one Newcrest share, you're getting 0.4 of the Newmont shares, and they say that they're going to be trading on the Australian Stock Exchange as a CDI. So that's great because if it wasn't, you then you get all these people with US stock, and they wouldn't know what to do with it. So mm-hmm. I think it it, it, it it is looking good. There is a dollar ten a share US a dollar ten share dividend. Which means that it'll basically give you a total value of twenty nine twenty seven uh, for Newcrest shares, and depending on what Newmont share price is doing on a day to day basis, that's sort of where it's going to sit. If you hold this, I would hold it for. I've got shares in it myself. I would hold it for the dollar ten US dividend. Wait to see how Newmont share starts to trade at point uh, point four of one each Newcrest share. Um, I'd hold on to this, but I wouldn't be buying any new Newcrest here. I don't think you need to. I think you look at where the rest of the money is going to flow once this does get taken over, and the rest of the money has already started to flow into New Northern Star and Evolution. So they'd be my two picks in that space. Yeah, interesting. I was just going to ask you what the effect is then once that goes through. So yeah. you've seen those two other stocks there, the major producers. Yeah, so we saw the same with Samfire. Oz Minerals got taken out within, like, within once the, the basically the bid had gone through, BHP was going to get it. You saw Sandfire's share price just go dunk, dunk, yeah. dunk, dunk. And that's just that money flowing back or around into the next largest cap. And that's exactly what Northern Star. Um, Newcrest has to sell some mines and Northern Star and Evolution are the ones that are going to pick that up and they're going to benefit from that sale of some of these mines because Newmont doesn't want all of them. They want Lahir, they want KDR, they want the big ones, but they're going to have to divest a lot of that. And I think that's where you're going to get some real uplift in value is because then you've got Northern Star who took over Poulsen's mine, you know, and, and have done a fantastic job with it. Um, you know, these guys will then come back in and then run that business better and, and make those mines work harder. So I think that's the better way to play. Yep. All right. Good one. Jube. No, I'm the same. I think, you know, if you're sitting in the uh, new quest, you really play on the gold prices or where gold price is going. So uh, for me, I've been moving into Northern Star, just give you a little bit more because it is the next player once that goes through. So um, it, actually Northern Star has started outperforming this uh, yeah. new quest, um, but I think there's a bit more to go. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see further consolidation in, in the gold sector here? <sighs> I don't know. We don't really have too many. Um, well, some of the small players, I guess, in the explorer end. Yeah, I mean, I think they have. Yeah, I think every mining company is now looking at it because you either got to go big or go home. Like mm. you're not going to survive if you, you know. And we've seen that in the oil space, in the energy space. We're seeing these big mergers in the lithium space, mm. AKE, you know, Galaxy, Oracobra. All of these businesses are really sort of getting together because you just have to. Uh, to to play within the on the world stage, so yeah, there potentially more consolidation in the smaller end of the gold space. But the problem is with our market, we've got so many gold juniors, mm. and all all vying for a little bit of a dollar that basically 
you know, they've got a bit of ground and it's already been worked on and they're going to try and find some more. So it's it's it's, it's a tough space. You know, once I watched this, the National Geographic about the gold exploration, it's oh, literally yeah. a man and a truck. Yeah. Um, you know, you just need a piece of land and it's you know, and trying to find some gold flakes and then yeah, you can yeah. claim to, you know, have a deposit. Yeah. It just sounds easy. Get out your pan, start <laughs> sifting. Yeah. Well, what what was be? that company that used to, uh, it's going through the assay results, used to sprinkle gold uh, on the assay <laughs> results before they put them into the lab? <laughs> <laughs> I forget, someone will remind me on the name because they used to do it and the, and the share price just went absolutely bananas but until, but they, were, but until they got found out. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, anyway. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's summarise where we've been for the second half of the show. Uh, we were rounding out with our REITs there with Unibail, Radamco, Westfield. Um, yeah, we like the Westfield side of the business but then so did uh, Frank Lowy but he knew, he saw the writing on the wall as they were pointing out he sold out. Um, and... Uh, Jumbo, they're pointing out just how heavily geared it is uh, with the potential issues, particularly in Europe. It's an avoid, it's a sell from Adam, uh, particularly given those bad debts with, uh, with rent collection. All right, into the commodities with uh, the final four stocks there, 29 metals, which has the focus on copper. Uh, it is a sell from both, uh, Adam pointing out the problems there. It uh, has, um, it's a too high risk, he's saying he does prefer Sandfire. Uh, Jumbei pointing out she'd rather just be in BHP. Uh, AIC mines, gold and copper. Uh, Jumbei uh, has a buy on it, saying it is uh, high risk though. Or is that, is that you? I've That's got the buy on it. Was you. Sorry, yeah. I've confused got hold. you. You've got the hold. You've got the buy saying yeah. it's high risk, uh, saying it looks good. Uh, and you're a believer in that long-term copper story, of course. Um, and yeah, uh, so Jumbei has the hold on it. Gold Road Resources, so those couple of gold stocks we've just mentioned there. Uh, it is a no from Jumbei, uh, prefers the larger ones, particularly uh, Northern Star. Adam, yeah, likewise, Northern Star and Evolution, he's got a hold on it. And finally, their new crest, new crest given it is the subject of the takeover by uh, Newmont. Uh, Adam saying, look, worth holding on there, uh, particularly for the US dividend once it takes effect. Um, Jumbei agrees, but yeah, would prefer uh, the next cab off the rank, which is uh, which is Northern Star. All right, that brings us to the end of this hour and for the week. Of course, thank you to our guest, Jumbei. Thanks for joining us from Trebega. Thank you for having me. And Adam from Shore and Partners. Great to be here. Good one. All right, any stocks you'd like us to cover, you can go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us at osbiz.tv. Stay with us. The Pulse is up next. <laughs>